So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the first riot of the Luddites. Then on Tuesday, we unearthed the mad coincidence of the day two different Dennis the Menaces made their comic strip debuts. On Wednesday, the day the Spanish conquered the last Maya kingdom. Thursday was the day Colonel Sanders sued KFC. And on Friday, we recall how Vincent van Gogh's sister-in-law made his name. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that will never, ever cross Daniel Kvyat. Yep, definitely. You do not want to mess with him, honestly. He'll mess you up, not once, but twice. (laughs) Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that... Oh, for fuck's sake, he's a fuck. I'm out, someone has hit me in the fucking rear, and then somebody hit me in the fucking rear again. We're in, a, we're in a pub garden and trying to keep a low profile so that everybody's looking at us. That's really worked well. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that did nothing but got on the podium. There's no way to talk about Martin Brundle. Ooh. I'm Chica Ed, and today we look back at the Russian Grand Prix. Last weekend, we were treated to three days of F1 in Sochi. The fourth race in the calendar, Pirelli's 100th GP and the third longest track. We saw the most debris, heard the most swearing and watched that awkward bit at the end where Putin was trying to get involved. Can we really fit that all in? Of course, that's all to come. With me in the garden of the Richard the First pub in Greenwich is a man who wants blue himself. That's blue spelt B-L-U-E. Actually, I got a professional to do it. <laughs> it's Terry Saunders with your new look. I've just got kind of blue hair, you know, I figured this year... David Bowie died and my cat died and I thought what would they both want me to do and it turns out what they wanted I couldn't do morally but (laughs) second thing was dye my hair and alongside him is a motoring journalist who has finally joined the modern world and bought a PlayStation 4 it's Phil Tromans Yes, I have. Did you write that about yourself? Is that the only thing you think of? I've not done very much in the last couple of weeks. I've been really ill and I didn't want to talk about my projectile vomiting. I've invested almost as much as I paid for the PlayStation 4 into a steering wheel and pedal setup. Oh. And I've been playing Project Cars. Oh, I've heard uh, about Project Cars. So this is the game where they've gone, hey, people don't want to have like an enjoyable racing experience. They want an accurate, incredibly hard, unforgiving racing experience. I mean, it's not exactly Outrun. But that's a good thing because our run is way too easy. It's just left, right, left, right. It's not the yeah, most in-depth. It's left, right. What's <laughs> what the last? Bit? It's not the most in-depth racing simulator. But as I haven't played what? one for years, it's quite in-depth. What's more and, in-depth? Um, Have you played? Uh, or like iRacing or something like that is proper, proper sort of geek stuff. I think you need a sort of degree in engineering to get a, a go on it. But um, just this week, I graduated to the Formula One car, um, oh. and it's not just any Formula One car. It's a Lotus 98T from 1985. The very last Lotus that had the JPS livery. And it's got turbo delivery that makes it almost undrivable. Basically, you put your foot down, nothing happens for a while, and then just as you start moving, the turbo kicks in, the rear wheels spin up, and you slide into the scenery instantly. And remind me, you're you're married, aren't you? Yeah, my wife works late. <laughs> right, just so, just because just that doesn't sound I like I have to pack it all away in the spare room before <laughs> she comes back because I'm not allowed to keep it in the front room. I played a bit of Formula One PlayStation this week. Oh, yeah, Chica. Um, what have you been up to? I had a house party. What? Oh. And um, created my quite famous now, I like to think, zip wire. It's a coat hanger that is attached to a long piece of string that goes all the way to the door. 
from where? From, it's got like a mezzanine, so oh. up there. Ooh. And attached to the coat hanger is an egg box, and in the egg box is vodka jellies. And so when people come in, it zooms down. You smack them in the face with smack a vodka jelly. Smack them in the face with, with a vodka jelly, eat up. So, what, so when was this party? Um, this was Saturday. I was, um, I was free. So this, this is at the poo flat? Uh, the poo flat, yeah. The, the peanut, peanut, the peanut poo yeah. party. Yeah. Now with added zip wires, were there people in their 20s having fun? <laughs> there were. And we, my God, we were having fun. Meanwhile, Phil was racing around Zolder in a Lotus 89. <laughs> Time to talk about what you've been saying in Listener's Corner. And loads of people have, of course, been talking about the Vettel Kvyat Barney. Simon Billington found this on Reddit and shared it with us. A German swearing to an Italian team in English about a Russian driving an Austrian-owned team car. F1 uniting the world as ever. We are the world. With a French engine that's badged with a Swiss watch manufacturer. Oh, that's very good. Yes. Properly <laughs> international, this is. Yeah, I mean, this is it's bringing the nations together. Hosted to swear their faces off and leave carbon fibre all over the place. Hosted by a Welsh bloke talking to a Scottish bloke. Yeah. Um... And also, Australia. (laughs) (laughs) So let's create that moment. We're not allowed to use any of the uh, broadcasts, so instead we've decided to make uh, our own with... um, Team Radio. Team Radio. Although before the Team Radio, can can, can we recreate the crash crash first? So shall I be Kvyat? We probably should have rehearsed this, but yeah, you can be Kvyat. I'll 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 be Seb. And then okay. you, do you, you want to be... Why am his voice? You'll be Seb's voice. You'll be Seb's actions. So <laughs> okay. this is like Project Cars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and let me just set up the steering wheel and pedal. Okay, can you right be the angle. lights, Chica? The lights? Yeah. Lights out and away we go. <laughs> oh, my God. Putin's here. Oh, God. I didn't get Oh, I crashed into bed again. That's really bad. Oh, my God, I'm going to be in so much trouble. But what I do, I'll carry on going and I'll start again. Oh, I got Phil slurring down. Why is he slurring down? Oh. Oh, for fuck's sake. What the fuck? I think you can see a forensic reconstruction there of the... <laughs> Incidents in question. You know when Sky have like really expensive graphics. Where I don't they, know why they bother. Where they, yeah, I don't know why they bother. Let's just get us to. to yeah, message it. to Sky if you're listening. Rupert, we're available. So basically, Kvyat didn't really do anything wrong. I mean, he, hang on. No, he locked his rear tyres, which is bad, and then he, he he lost control, which is bad, but not his fault. You well, know, whose fault is it? Uh, oh, I was just racing project cars and I couldn't. <laughs> so you know, you it's hard. The buck has to stop with the driver at it, some point. Yeah, well, it's his, okay. It's his fault, but it's not his. He didn't do it maliciously. And, and no. then after the first hit, Vettel was really, really slow. So it was kind well, of his fault as well. Yeah, Vettel was on an insurance scam. He was going right. I'm going to slow up. So I was going to crash in the back of me. I'll get. I'll get a claim for whiplash. It's, yeah, unfortunately, Kvyat uh, uh, had a dash cam, so uh, we all we all <laughs> saw what happened. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think Kvyat is entirely to blame for the first thing. He came in too hot, and he misjudged his braking, which happens, and it is unfortunate that. Instead of just sailing on and missing the apex of the corner, he just hit Vettel quite hard. And then Vettel went into Ricardo, and then Ricardo went into Perez, who'd had a really good start, and he basically balls up all their races. The second bit, I wouldn't blame Kvyat quite so much for, because as you say, Vettel slowed up somewhat, whether he was just running wide or he was where his car was broken or a bit of everything. Yeah, he sort of lifted and there wasn't really much Kvyat could do. I think he'd probably just but, shut um, himself. Who, Kvyat or Vettel? Vettel. I think he went, oh, 
Was it was it like in the last race where he, he started going on and on about Kvyat to mask his own mistake? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this time it was to mask the stench of... Uh, That's why they took him off on a moped. Or rather, he took himself off on the moped. Did you see that? But he jumped on the moped and he threw the bloke who's come to collect him off and was like, no, I'm taking this moped. And you the can't bloke smell had to this. Sit on the back of him. <laughs> you cannot smell this. embarrassing. And another thing that's been causing lots of chatter this weekend was Red Bull's new safety device, the canopy, which is basically a windscreen. Michael Welch got in touch and said, does this mean there'll be a squeegee man added to the pit stop crew? Yes. Well, this whole um, visor gate, as we call it now, it's basically Red Bull have gone. We don't like the halo idea. So let's go with this new idea. And it's proof, if proof were needed, that Adrian Newey has finally gone insane. <laughs> and he's gone, oh, well, um, I've run out of ideas. And I was looking out my window, looking for inspiration. And I thought, oh, a window. <laughs> and that's basically what he's built. He's built a, a curvy window. That's it. Is this actually a Newey thing, or is this just something they've bodged together at Milton Keynes and stuck on for one it's race? It's got Newey's name worked. on it. It's like Andy it? Warhol. It's like a Damien Hirst print, but he had no idea that he was being made. So this this is their idea of what head protection for 2017 onwards should be, unlike Ferrari's famous flip-flop. Yeah, it does appear to have divided opinion. Mm. What did we all think of it? Like, for years, they've had a little Perspex windscreen that's been tiny, like sometimes like an inch big like the little thing just to deflect window yeah. at the top of the helmet and now they've just made it bigger I mean this is bad for a podcast I actually have no opinion on it I don't really care but they showed uh, they showed how good it was by lobbing some tyres at it and being like look the tyres the don't go through it yeah, if you look at that video you can see after they've lobbed a the tyre at it that the helmet's got a skid mark on it <laughs> so you're like this isn't helping well in fairness I think if a tyre hit me at 200 miles an hour there'd be skid marks all over the place <laughs> Well, Leighton Brown tweeted and said, I'm not suggesting that they drive around with a spike coming out of the centre of the steering wheel, not until my fourth pint, but there has to be an element of risk, adrenaline, excitement and danger. There will always be freak accidents everywhere in life. Why make F1 exempt? Can I be the the first to advocate spikes coming out of the steering wheel? I think it's a brilliant idea. I think he's absolutely onto something. This is where Senna was ahead of his time. Oh, (laughs) too soon. (laughs) On this weekend of all weekends. Well, this is the time to remember that, actually, if there's one way to spice up a dull race, is to have a bit of car coming through your head. I'm not sure Ayrton would agree with you. Well, he can't. That's the point, isn't it? (laughs) This is something that has properly divided not just fans, but the paddock as well. I was reading two different opinion pieces on the the train on the way up here. Uh, One by Gary Anderson, uh, the, the race car engineer, and one by Martin Brundle, the former driver, who is no stranger to massive accidents and people he knows dying and and being injured and and Gary Anderson says we have to do everything we possibly can to increase safety and if if there's a possibility of doing something we should do it and you just ask John Surtees and he'll say the same thing whereas Martin Brundle was like like, no we you know we there's got to be a a line drawn somewhere where you you'll sanitize it to the point where what's the point anymore and eventually there just won't we'll just have remote control I tell you what the safest form of racing is project cars that's right (laughs) sitting in your well not not if you're driving the Lotus as older it's not yeah, but you're not physically in danger, are you? Well, I, nearly, you? I nearly knocked my drink off my chair. Exactly. That, that, I mean, the thing is, I'm joking, but actually there is, a, you know, if safety goes down this route, in a few years they'll be going, it's very dangerous to have the drivers in the cars, isn't it? We should have them in a, in a port cabin around the back of the circuit with a joystick. Well, this is the concern that um, 
that for insurance purposes, once once the sort of an idea has been mooted and and tested, as with the halo and the and the canopy, <laughs> is that you won't be able to get insurance for your team if you've investigated this and then not enacted it. And if it gets to the point where they say, "Oh, I wonder if we could do this by remote control," and it turns out they can, are they going to be able to say, "Well, we're not going to do it," but you know, we know we can. Is it is it are they going to be forced into not allowing people to go in cars anymore because it's too blooming dangerous? I mean. I don't really know where I stand on this because there's good arguments on both sides. But then you look at something like MotoGP, where they have literally nothing around them at all apart from a, a helmet and a little airbag in their suit. What would you do about that? You can't put canopies around a motorbike. So, I mean, where, when does it stop becoming a Formula One car? If you were to protect a motorbike, when does it stop becoming a motorbike in the name of safety? I think Gladiators, they had those things where they were just in a big metal cage. You should have those. Moving on, Phil... Who has just been announced that they'll be helping Pirelli develop the 2017 tyres? Well, uh, for those who didn't know, there's going to be new tyre compounds next year. Pirelli, with the new with the new regulations, Pirelli's got to do some new tyres to cope with them. And so they're sort of testing and working out what's going to happen. And they're bringing back the man who probably gave us more material last year than any other. <laughs> Your favourite and mine, the man with the permanently crooked teeth, Pastor Maldonado. Yes. Oh, are we glad to see him back? Well, I'm glad he's doing all right. He's ahead of a time. So Adrian Michael Rees got in touch with us and said, bit odd he'd want to test them, seeing as the tyres are fragile enough as it is. As they are, really, but let's carry on. Why did they choose him? Well, they need somebody who can test the tyres to, to destruction, presumably. <laughs> no, they presume they're literally, It's going to be like me driving a Lotus on Project Cars. He's going to get in the car and immediately spin it into the barriers. We know what Freddie have been like. They've come in, they've made some tyres, and every time something goes wrong, they try and blame someone else. So what a perfect thing to do than hire Maldonado. So when next year everyone goes, these tyres are shit, they're like, do you see are we are testing them? <laughs> we haven't got a bloody clue what's going on. <laughs> it's actually a very shrewd One move. day they didn't even show up. But they're going to be pootling around, I believe, in a, in a 2014 uh, Ferrari, yeah. the F1 Lotus 89T. Yeah. <laughs> which I seem to remember was quite a crap Ferrari. And they've got Jean-Éric Vernon as well doing some stuff. So they've got a three-year-old car for regulations for next year. It must be weird being like an ex-Formula 1 driver driving an old Formula 1 car because there must be a part of you that goes, you know, I'm earning some money, I'm doing all right, this is my career, I'm helping my career. <laughs> but you know that all the other drivers are there going, fucking hell, he's doing testing on an old car, Jesus. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S. Or, and we haven't said this for a while, email us at wrong at ff1s.com. Let's go team by team through the Russian Grand Prix. Starting off with Mercedes. Rosberg and Hamilton finish one and two. And I've decided to sum up Mercedes weekend in seven points. Like I did last week, but probably worse. <laughs> one, one, two finish for Mercedes in Russia. Two, 2 a.m. was the time that the emergency plane got into Sochi with spare parts for Hamilton. Very good. Three, in Q3, Rosberg fluffed things up and made mistakes in his final lap. Four, the gap between them is now 43 points. Four, 43 just, points. Just go along good, with it. That's no, fine, yeah. Five, Hamilton made up five places in the first lap by avoiding the carnage surrounding him. Six, Six six is the number of the beast, the number Rosberg dialed to guarantee victory once again. Absolutely. And seven, this is Rosberg's seventh successive victory. And eight, I bloody ate that dog. <laughs> okay, so after that, it is conspiracy time. 
Do you think the amount of Hamilton's bad luck has just gone past realistic? Well, all I'll say is that I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but the other week when I was getting my hair done, I had a lot of foil in my head and it allowed me to think clearly because I was like, do you know what? Maybe Mercedes are trying to sabotage Hamilton. And if they were trying to sabotage Hamilton, I'm sure they'd use a really obvious clunky metaphor which to do it and not just like, you know a number of million variables no, they'd probably do the thing where they go let's make his engine go in the exact same way at the exact same time both times because that's how clever they are <laughs> fuck it up anyone who thinks that Mercedes are deliberately sabotaging Hamilton are fucking idiots it is ridiculous because as we all know this is this is Eccleston and Putin with their secret buttons mm-hmm. oh yeah I mean I'm not saying there's not a conspiracy I'm just saying it's not Mercedes it's not that conspiracy yeah no he's just been really unlucky um, it is bizarre considering how amazingly bulletproof Mercedes were in testing. What are those? Some like 800 million laps. Well, they couldn't do too many laps. <laughs> they were showing off. Well, so they did all those laps in testing. 8,000 miles. It was the and then testing they went, that oh, broke it all. Turns out we our engine. <laughs> <laughs> it is really unfortunate, and I do feel a little. I mean, I, I do feel a little bit bad for Hamilton. And Rosberg says his victory means less without Hamilton. Yeah, he would say that, wouldn't he? Yeah. Oh, from his, God, from his place in Monaco but in terms of driving who do you think deserve to win Ooh, oh oh well I don't know Pascal Verlein he did well what do you mean out of Mercedes well I was going to say out of Mercedes but oh, okay <laughs> um, well I mean uh, um, Hamilton did drive very well let's let's not can uh, we just can, can we just deal with the elephant in the room here in that it was a shit race that was absolutely ruined by the fact that Hamilton was reading him in and then there's a water pressure air whatever all this kind of stuff nothing really happened the first couple of laps very exciting and then nothing fucking happened and it was one of those like you could have turned it off halfway through and gone it's going to be the same it was like that and it's Formula 1 at it's bloody worst I wouldn't go as far as mm. say it was one of the worst it wasn't as good as the first three races of the season so, were actually particularly so you mean good. one of the worst you, you, you it's the worst one so far this season. this season yes yes maybe we're just getting used to high quality exciting races yeah oh god I don't watch Game of Thrones, but if one of the episodes was like everyone just had a cup of tea and nothing happened, <laughs> people would be pissed off. We should watch Game of Thrones, it's really good. You know what? You know All right. <laughs> so Hamilton's got two reprimands, one for, what, reversing in the pit lane and the other for... Well, this this one was for not going around a bollard, which seemed completely ridiculous. Did you see this? This was in either qualifying or practice, I forget, where he, he went down to turn two and he just got it slightly wrong cut the corner and the idea was there'd been a, a directive the day before to say if you to stop people cutting the corner and, and gaining an advantage by it they were like right if you cut the corner you've got to go out of your way and go around this bollard to get before you come back on the track so. Hamilton do, didn't do this but he didn't try and complete his lap uh, he just sort of slowed down pulled around and tried again so he didn't gain any advantage whatsoever and from watching the onboard where he lost control a little bit to cause him to go too deep in the corner if he then wanted to go around the bollard he'd have had to slam on the brakes and wrench the car left and I think he'd be more likely to crash but the stewards didn't agree and they gave him a second reprimand which after the one he got in Bahrain for reversing about a nanometer in the pit lane when there was nobody around him means he now has two of an, not even an allowed three reprimands and if you get three you get a ten place grid penalty for the next race so you still think it's just bad luck? I mean, it is bad. I mean, this was over-officious stewarding. I mean, the stewards were pretty bad. I mean, they gave signs a penalty in the race for just looking at his girlfriend funny. (laughs) (laughs) Julian Palmer, what do you know? (laughs) Okay, moving on to Ferrari. Raikkonen, of course, was on the podium and finished in third. Vettel, however, 
didn't finish. At uh, least he didn't get upset about it. And through no fault of his own, Vettel was cruelly hit from behind by Kvyat. And just as he recovered, he through was hit again. Through some fault of his own, he was hit again. And um, I wasn't sure if maybe, Terry, you wanted to do your best Vettel impression. Oh, is this Vettel? Mm. Okay, okay, so hang on. What's he? He's German, yes? Yeah. Yes, right. so we're going from, from Dutch, Scottish last time <laughs> to German now. Here we go. It doesn't help when people behind don't break. What Kvyat did was completely unnecessary, as far as I know in the races. Font zwei laps, but not everybody seems to remember. I don't think I need to say much. I think if you look at the footage, you'll have answers to your questions. That was actually probably better than the Dutch attempt. Definitely There was a little bit of Scouse in there. (laughs) And maybe a little bit of Scottish again. It was quite Susie Wolf-esque. But after that righteous chat there, because of course Vettel has never hit anyone. Um, Yes, never. (laughs) It's remarkable. Raikkonen was on the podium (laughs) in third. but (laughs) Good callback. Thank you. But nowhere near challenging the two Mercedes in front of him. Now the question I thought was, will Ferrari ever be able to challenge Mercedes? Never again (laughs) in the history of the world. There was a great interview with Alonso the other week where they were like, do you regret leaving Ferrari? And he said, well, I left Ferrari. We couldn't win races and win the championship. And how... Vettel's in Ferrari, they can't win the championship. And it's like, actually, do you know what? He's got a point. He's not, they're not doing that well. I mean, yes, you could argue that McLaren are worse than Ferrari in using any available metric, but at the same time, they're not winning the championship. And it's that kind of Ferrari way of just fucking up. Just well, are, I mean, they are, they are much closer. I mean, we talked about this last week with the general convergence of teams. They are much closer this year than they ever have been before. But, yeah, they do seem to, yeah, even with all the bad luck that seems to be hitting... Hamilton, at least, they still can't. Um, yeah, still can't seem to take advantage of it. Although, in fairness, Kvyat didn't help matters. But this I must, time. And, and you know, Raikkonen did all he could, really. I would have thought. I must say, the tune of Raikkonen. Um, there's Arivia Bieni has had a quote this Monday saying uh, that the Russian Grand Prix has to be Ferrari's low point in 2016. I saw that. It's like so. It, it can't get any worse than this with one of their drivers on a podium. <laughs> Imagine Kimi yeah, but, but it's the wrong driver. But imagine mm. Kimi reading that in the morning, going, "Oh, you know what? You know, I've done all right. I've got a podium. This is the worst thing that could <laughs> possibly happen." But if you listen to an interview with him, and if you heard it when he came off the podium, he sounded—I mean, he's a miserable guy. But this was off the scale miserable. He was not in any way happy to be on the podium. He's never happy. He's just he, not even the jokey. Oh, he's never happy thing. He's just not there. <laughs> like he does. He, I think whenever there's a microphone in his face, he turns off. I am, I am I told mean, that. Although, did you notice in the pre-podium? <laughs> room when Putin was there uh, oh, Raikkonen like comes in he smiled as wide as I've ever seen him as soon as no. he saw Putin yeah. shook his hand big he's smiles got, he's got soft spot for an autocrat right shall we move on to Red Bull let's do it Ricardo finished in 11th and Kvyat finished in 15th good result Kvyat now owes a lot of people a lot of pints after this weekend as we said earlier he smacked Vettel twice who then smacked into his teammate who then smacked Perez I reckon he got cocky because the race was in his motherland. Ricardo had an unfortunate weekend and came home with no points. There are rumours that Kvyat is under pressure for his seat. Do you reckon these are true? And if so, who could be in the sidelines? Yes, Max Verstappen. Next. It, it might be a little bit harsh to judge him entirely on this one Two, weekend. Three weekends. Well, no, he got a podium last race. Yeah, but, you know... Definitely Verstappen and not Sainz. No, yeah, Verstappen. Yeah. Sainz uh, has been rubbish this year. Definitely the superstar. Okay. 
I won't go as far as say science has been rubbish as the Verstappen's very oh, good. God, you're, and yeah, Kvyat's you with your journalistic good. ethics, you never have an opinion. Science has been shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right, fine. I've got an interesting fact of the race is that um, when after the Vettel crash, Ricardo got bumped right to the back of the field, they told that his team told them that Vettel caused the crash because they didn't want him thinking it was Kvyat. <laughs> so the whole race, he thought Vettel did it. And then at the end, they went. Did you oh, see? By the way. Did you see Ricardo in the in the press pen afterwards? No, he wasn't smiling when he was talking about Kvyat. He, he looked genuinely annoyed with Kvyat. The only and I don't think I've ever seen him not smile. The only person happy with Kvyat is Grosjean going, oh, "Been there." <laughs> <laughs> Did you also notice that um, after China, when when Kvyat did absolutely nothing wrong, Vettel was lambasting him, mm. you know, literally coming up to him and going, you're like a torpedo. This time, when Kvyat did this in front of Putin in his home country, not so much. Just an interesting observation. Even after that infamous radio message, what the fuck are we doing? We're in Russia. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, my mistake. What a, Sorry, what I've crashed what through entirely my own fault. And, um, <laughs> I applaud the space program. <laughs> Okay, Williams, Massa finishing fifth and Bottas fourth. Now, only one team can make being in second, losing two places in the pit stop dull, and that is Williams. But they had quite a good weekend. It was looking quite good in qualifying. Things that they might be exciting at the beginning of the race with Bottas in second, as I said. But at the end, nothing to get overly excited about. However, fourth and fifth and gained 22 points on Red Bull. Are they better than Red Bull? No, they're just kind of... Probably not. I mean, if you're starting on the front row and you've got Raikkonen, who's basically on autopilot, like literally he's got like the Tesla autopilot thing. He's just driving around. He doesn't overtake anybody. He's just trying to stay out of trouble. He's just there going, as long as I can be as far away from any car in any direction, I don't care. And just... I know, I mean, obviously it's fourth fourth and fifth is a good result. But uh, they might have wanted a little bit better. I mean, they were really fast in a straight line. I remember Hamilton was mm. stuck behind uh, Bottas yeah. for a while um, before he eventually got past him. But I'm uh, unspectacular. I mean, solid, so solid, but unspectacular. Would that be fair to say? I mean, they're not doing a terrible job, but I just can't get excited about them. Yeah. But they won the DHL Pit Stop Award. Oh, they did have some very good pit stops. I didn't two I only know for Massa, I think. Choreographer, haven't they, for their pit stops? <laughs> Is it choreographer and <laughs> plie <laughs> and one <laughs> and two it was artistically beautiful and four <laughs> so McLaren Alonso finished sixth and Button finished in tenth um, so I think it was a weekend of peaks and troughs so I've decided to look at all the plus sides and the downsides to their weekend Ooh. so on the plus side Alonso finished in sixth but mainly because Verstappen retired it was the first double point since Hungary last year but this was the first time Alonso has had a point for 12 races. On the plus side, Button finished in 10th, but only because he managed to overtake signs at the last minute. On the downside, they had terrible fuel economy, but apparently they'll sort that out in their engine upgrade next week. They had the fifth fastest lap of the race, but neither of them managed to get through to Q3 in qualifying. And it was the best race of the season so far, but they don't have massively high hopes for Barcelona. Do you remember last year, it was a Spanish Grand Prix, they were going to talk about being on the podium, then a year later, they go, oh my God, one of us finished sixth, that's amazing. Both got points, yeah, they were a little bit fortunate, I mean, Button did manage to get Sainz, but probably would have beaten him anyway, because Sainz had that 10 second penalty. Mm. But, I mean, it's definitely better, isn't it? I mean, if you just said at the start of the season that they would both be in the points, and that Alonso would be 
and sixth for most of the race. I mean, yeah, Verstappen retired, but he was still in yeah, the points and already. And Vettel retired, and Kvyat and Ricciardo yeah, retired. And, and Hulkenberg so as well retired. Him, and, of course, Harrianto like, retired as well. But so. it puts him really a net eighth, to be honest. If those cars are uh, not stymied, he'd be about eighth. Oh, I don't know. Harrianto's been driving quite well. Well, yeah, it's true, true. But, I mean, uh, you know, they're... they're Better. I've read a lot of things about McLaren over the last couple of days, saying it's their first double points finish since Hungary last year. So they're having a, they're having progress. It's like, is that progress? Because they managed a double points finish at Hungary last year. So to be impressed with that now is like, what the fuck have you been doing? Well, within the spectrum of this year, it's better when their only point had been caused by the rookie who'd only done one race. Well, stuff or ruffle. Okay, all right. Let's move on to Renault. Magnussen in seventh and Palmer in thirteenth. They got points. Not only this, it was Magnussen's first point since 2014. And considering he's driving a Renault Clio around the track, coming seventh was very impressive. Jolie and Palmer got 14th, and he'll be pretty pleased with that compared to last week. Well, you know, yeah, cracking uh, result for Magnussen, I think, in a in a car that's acknowledged to be a bit of a dog. When you look at where they were in China, yeah, yeah, and he, he well. was pretty feisty with it as well. There's a couple of nice overtakes and yep. a bit of uh, around the outside battling. Uh, I thought he did really well. Was he lucky though, or was this? Could this be looking at what's to come? Uh, I think there was an element of of luck. You know, people falling all over the place, and it's not a short race, uh, and so to end up there, you've got to be doing something right. Um, and the fact that Magnussen finished five places ahead of Palmer and Palmer's not great, but he's not terrible. The race was pretty boring. No one was overtaking each other, all that stuff. And then Magnussen's just having a great little race. And if you look at him, you're like, oh, that's good. Why can't they all be doing that? And let's talk about the rest. So, Force India, Perez in ninth, Hulkenberg didn't finish. On his 100th race, Gutierrez clobbered Hulkenberg on turn two and had to retire. Perez got a rear puncture after being hit by Ricardo, but got his first points of the year. Was it just a bad day for the Force Indias? Yes, next. Yes, they were looking good. Uh, Hulkenberg had no chance. Uh, Perez was uh, was looking good and was unfortunate with this puncture caused by Kvyat. Drew pretty Hul- well, though. Hulkenberg's had 100 races and he's still shit. Next. <laughs> Mana. Berline finished in 18th and Harrianto didn't finish. Uh. I think I only saw Mana once in the race, despite watching Averly with minimal loo breaks. This was when Verlein overtook NASA, which is one of the race highlights. Harrianto was involved somewhere in Hulkenberg Gutierrez gate and so had to retire after lap one. Do you think Verline could be the potential Mercedes rising star? Yes, I've been saying this since, uh, since the first race. I thought he had drove really, really well and he was really unlucky to have that problem in the pits at the end that dropped him to the back. I think I quite fancy him. Sauber! Ericsson finished in 14th and Nasa finished in 16th. Ericsson, not a great weekend. He had tyre problems all weekend. Got caught up in the goings-on of lap one. Momentarily looked like he could finish in the top ten, but then had to pit again. Uh, Nasa had a really not good day. He had a puncture, later drove all over the place off the track, and then got a five-second penalty and had debris in the car for a lot of the race. Was it bad driving or bad car? It was a bad driving in a bad car. Sarah had run out of money. Someone else has quit. They're trying to pay their staff. Fuck it. It's very sad. Haas. Haas. Uh, Gutierrez finished in 17th. Grosjean finished in 8th. Gutierrez caused utter carnage in lap 1, where he smacked into Hulkenberg. Grosjean came back with points again, but said he wasn't 100% happy with the car. Frankly, mate, we didn't expect you to be in the top 15 this season, let alone get points, so I'd leave it. <laughs> Gene Haas said it wasn't that the team were back on form, it was actually he, they lucked into other people's retirements. Do you agree? 
I would say that if this was their first points of the season, we'd be like, oh, well done them. Well done, well done. They've, they've been plucky. But yeah, the fact is they finished like fifth and sixth or whatever in the other races. So you go, cool, eighth is all right. You know, it's, bit, no, it's not great, is it? But still good. It's still impressive. Well done. Good on yeah. them. It's a, it's a more accurate uh, reflection of where they are rather than the, the, uh, the fifth and sixth or whatever. Um, but they did look into it a little bit. But Grosjean drove well and Gutierrez, Gutierrez had a bit of a nightmare. All right, then. And finally, Toro Rosso. Verstappen, of course, didn't finish and Sainz finished in 12th. Disappointing weekend for these guys. Verstappen had engine problems on his way into the grid. He managed to get from 10th to 6th and it went all wrong with the power unit and he had to retire. Sainz had an unfortunate race too. He got a bit of another car caught in his car after the first lap and then had to sit on the naughty step for 10 seconds after he allegedly forced Palmer off the track. Toro Rosso thought that was a bit unfair. What do you reckon? I mean, if forcing another car off the road is bad, then I guess I'm bad. I just think, yeah. I mean, the stewards this weekend were a little bit officious with everything. They were... feels like one of the stewards was in a bad mood. It was. It was Emmanuele Pirro, wasn't it? Oh, was it? I think oh, so, Oh, well, yeah. no wonder. <laughs> just taking out all his frustrations on the current drivers. Yeah, I mean, Max was doing all right. He's un- unlucky. unlucky. I like a bit of Max. Um, Sainz has been a bit rubbish this last couple of races. And so that takes us to the standings. Over to you, Terry Saunders. Okay, so the Drivers' Championship is really hotting up at the front. By hotting up, I mean it's there's a big gap where the heat is expanding. In first place is, I'm actually not even trying anymore with 100 points. Second place is, why does my eye keep twitching with 57 <laughs> points? Third place is, feeling loved, not. Fourth is, what happened? Fifth is, what the fuck just fucking happened? Which, incidentally, is the same name I used for Vettel last week. With 33 points. Sixth is, my son is light. Seventh is, boff. <laughs> Eighth is sorry seems to be the hardest word with 21 points. Ninth is stuck in reverse and the tears come streaming down your face with 19 <laughs> points. And 10 is minimum Verstappen. Eleventh, back in my fourth position for every glory years, that was worth it. Twelfth, what's that coming over the hill? It's a banana. Thirteenth, really angry right now. Fourteenth, Jay Sainsbury's. Fifteenth, I have more points than this on my Santander credit card. And sixteenth is Stoffelruffel. And the constructors. Now, I thought this week I'd do a theme for the constructors again, and this theme is constructors if they were new Beyonce albums. So, in first place with 157 points is Lemonade. Second with 76 points is Cherryade. Third with 57 points is Red Bull. Fourth with 51 points, Dandelion and Burdock. Fifth is Tab Cola. Sixth is Red Bull. Seventh is Tizer. Eighth is Lassie. And ninth is Fizzy Galois. Now let's go to the bit we've all been waiting for, because you've been in the toilet, Terry. Let's go to the state of F1. So this week in sport, there's been a big story that's overridden the exciting Russian Grand Prix, and that is that Leicester Square have won the Premiership. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, Leicester Square. That is Leicester Square combined. Leicester Square have won the first division, and it's a good moment to reflect on our sport because could something like this happen now I know that the media narrative is that Leicester Square is a plucky underdog team that have got no money and maybe it's a bit like brassed off and they all work in the coal mine in the week and then they all go to the football and it's not quite like that they've got a multi-billionaire owner yeah they haven't got as much money as the other teams but you know they've got a lot of money they're playing with but could it happen in Formula One I was um Reading an article on the James Allen website today where they were going like, could Leicester, could Leicester City happen in Formula 1? And there's lots of mentions of 
of one-off freak races like Olivier Parnis winning Monaco in '96, or you know, all these all these kind of one-off moments where a, a race shouldn't have been won by someone. But Leicester City is actually not like that at all. You know, any football team can beat a bigger team on the day. Any driver can have a freak occasion where they win a race. But could a, a non-high-money team win a championship? And the answer, I think, is no. No chance at all. Not a chance. I mean, the, the Formula 1 equivalent of Leicester City winning would be if Sauber won this year, I think. I think you'd have to go back to some of the really piss-poor teams of the 80s or 90s, I think. I mean, I think even Sauber are too good. But nowadays... Nowadays, no, 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 yeah, th- it's got to be Sauber uh, and No, I, I think Sauber's a good, a good example because Sauber have got a budget. You know, they, they've got everything in place. They're just at the bottom of the pile. The problem, obviously, with the comparison is that in football, you can have fancy boots, fancy teams, fancy socks. Fancy shorts. <laughs> fancy shorts. <laughs> but ultimately, it's men kicking a ball. Um, and in Formula 1, obviously, you need a pretty high standard of technology to get anywhere really fancy shorts really good really, really, the, the shorts they wear in Formula 1 are amazing <laughs> but I think there's a sadness there because it felt like back in the day you could buy a Formula 2 car and win a race or two and now you know do you reckon it would be more exciting if every team had to start with the same budget yes they tried to get that in a couple of years ago but unfortunately that could never happen why not because all the teams will never agree well, even if they did agree, there'd be lots of things like Red Bull would be like, well, we spent £150 million on our car and we've got this kind of marketing budget of like £9 billion, and, uh, and they were like, well, can we see your books because we want to check you've not been spending this £9 billion on your Formula <laughs> 1 car. And they were like, well, that's corporate secrecy. We can't give out yeah. our books. And a new just, marketing campaign just happens to involve a really powerful engine that we Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. So it couldn't work. Is there a solution... Don't worry, I have a solution, I say at this point. Uh, I, I guess the, the silver lining here is that the team for the last few years that have earned the most money from Formula 1 is Ferrari with their weird historical, oh, you've been in Formula 1 for ages, let's chuck you a tenner. Um, <laughs> you know, the last time Ferrari won, it was way back before Alonso was just throwing doors off a motorhome. There's no, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's all a money game. It's a very bleak state of F1 we've had this week. But don't worry, I have a solution. Oh, thank God. Relocate all of Formula 1 and all its teams to Cuba. Uh? (laughs) Therefore, we'll be in a communist socialist democracy. Not democracy, communist. (laughs) The the opposite of that. Yeah, community. Um, And all the teams will have to employ local workers. They'll have to use old kind of 1950s cars. With even older engines. And the new Castro Castrol car will win every time. <laughs> Very good. With all this in mind, Terry, what is the state of F1? Well, I suppose you have to go back to when was the last time F1 was a truly exciting formula where anyone could win? Well, I suppose actually that was a few years ago where seven drivers won the first seven races. So actually, let's go. That The top of the game is 2010. Whatever it was. <laughs> whatever it was. And the bottom is probably um, Ferrari years, 2000. So between 2010, I'd say run about 2002. Thank you. Okay, so that is it from us. So it's goodbye to Phil Tromans. Thanks very much. We haven't had time to talk about uh, an academic study that came out, I think, last week that used proper academic theory to rate the uh, the greatest Formula One drivers of all time. And intriguingly, within the top ten was Christian Fittipaldi. 
and Terry Saunders. We also haven't talked about the fact that in Russia, none of the team principals show up. There was no Ron Dennis, no Claire or Frank Williams. What must it be like as a driver to go, oh, I've, I've really pleased everyone today and cut the team and there's no one there? It's like doing an assembly and then your mum not coming. Why would your mum be an assembly? Well, like an assembly at school, you know? It's your assembly. Why would your mum be at assembly? There are clearly issues cheeky needs to resolve. It's the equivalent of winning a race and then your team garage catching fire. Ooh, too soon. We'll be back in two weeks for the Spanish Grand Prix. Subscribe and never miss an episode. And if you're watching the race live, you could do worse than to follow us on Twitter. We're at 4F1Sake. I'm G Carres. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. For fuck's sake. Sports Social Podcast Network.